Anyway, today we're celebrating Father's Day. And I've got many dads here, so let's just have a look at some of the kind of dads. We've got any dads of newborn, anyone who's just had a, a baby, they've got one there, one of a newborn this year. One dad of a newborn this year. What about some dads that have got uh, more than one? You've got several children, two, three. How many dads like that? Oh, I've got a real handful, eh? And uh, any dads of teens here? Wow, okay, that's a full-time challenge, that is now. And uh, great challenge, a <laughs> challenge for you. And uh, what are many dads who are stepfathers? You've reached out, you've opened your heart and taken someone else's son and or daughter and to be your own. Any step, well, there's one, some over here and over there, over here. Oh, there's some over there. Well, that's fantastic. Isn't that wonderful? That's a huge challenge too. There's so many more people in that situation today. Any grandfathers here today? What numbers of grandfathers we've got? Wow, there we've got some grandfathers. Why don't we give all these dads and grandfathers a clap, shall we? <laughs> Wonderful. I love, I love these days, Mother's Day and Father's Day, and days we can celebrate. And uh, Father's Day is a lot different to Mother's Day. Mother's Day, everyone's sort of kind of warm and fuzzy, but uh, when it comes to Father's Day, often there's a whole number of mixed emotions. And uh, so as we kind of just begin to share some things related to Father's Day, I find that people go very quiet, uh, not like on the Mum's Day, they get all excited. Father's Day, they tend to get a bit quiet. Um, I was reading an article and they, they, they checked out, it was one of the prisons in America, and they offered a free uh, card, you know, a greeting card on Mother's Day. They would uh, have a, give the, uh, every prisoner a free card uh, and also the stamp if they would write a card to their mother. And, and without exception, they took it on. And so everyone said, oh, great, free card to mother. When it came to Father's Day, it was a very low percentage took a hold of the card and sent a card to their father because there were so much unresolved issues in their hearts because of the fathers. And uh, one of the things in the end of the book of Malachi, it says that one of the great uh, moves of God in the last days will be a move to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers. In other words, even the Bible describes that in the last days, one of the evidences of it would be massive family breakdown throughout the world and particularly around the issue of fathers. And so in our culture and our society, it's breaking down because of a failure in fathers, a lack of fathers. And so today, people will have many mixed emotions. There'll be some people, when you think about dad, has got wonderful memories and has a kindness and love and, and family time together and being connected and, and doing things together. And uh, of course, for some of you who become great Christian dads now and learning how to walk in God's way, your family experiences are probably completely different to what they were when you were raised. And, uh, and, uh, but then there'll be other, others, and as you think of Father's Day, then there's probably some pain. And uh, the pain may be over uh, just uh, family background, the, the memories of your father, the memories of family life, uh, what happened in there, some grief. Uh, it could be issues of abuse, issues of abandonment. There could be many, many reasons why people feel uh, pain when it comes to the issue of their father. And there's a very good reason for it because there is a unique role that fathers have in shaping the lives and destiny of their sons and daughters. That's not devaluing mothers. Mothers have a unique role. Uh, fathers have a particular role God's given them. And uh, I can remember back to the, the, the season of the uh, 60s, 70s and that season there, there was a huge uh, rebellion against the role of men and the, and the stereotyping of men and a, and a tremendous erosion of uh, the male role and fatherhood in the family. And uh, now, of course, you have this huge issue in our nation of family breakdown, and, and the primary cause is fatherhood, the lack of fatherhood. 
and uh, a whole number of reasons why. And there'll be some of you here uh, today, perhaps you, there's a negative feeling of pain because your dad has died, and so there's a, a vacuum and a hole in your life. Or for some, it may be that your dad abandoned the family, and so there's issues there. So although for some of us, we'll come and it's just a lovely, happy day, we do need to be aware in a congregation like this and of this size that that will not be everyone's experience. There'll be some who'll be rejoicing and it's a wonderful day. Others, there'll be a dull spot and regret and quite mixed feelings inside. And so I like to acknowledge that as we begin to share a Father's Day message because there's a, a huge variety of responses. Now, I want you to look at me in John chapter 14 and verse 7 through to 9. And uh, the Bible is incredibly clear that Jesus came to reveal to us the Father nature of God. Now, all religions have some things in common, and one of the things they have in common is that they worship a God, and they're trying to please a God in some way. But Jesus came to make God known, not as a distant, remote God, but as a personal God who could be known as Father. He came to reveal to us that the true nature of God is He is a Father. And He came to make us understand what God being a Father would look like. And uh, so we read here, he said in verse 7, If you'd known me, you would have known my Father, and from now on you know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and then it's sufficient for us. And Jesus said, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Father? Uh, Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus ministry, one of the major aspects of his ministry was to reveal God's nature as a father and to offer for us a relationship where we can be born again, born into the family of God by the work of the Holy Spirit and become in personal connection with God and talk to him and call him father. He said, the Bible says the spirit within us causes, rises us to call Abba father, daddy. We can call him our heavenly daddy, our heavenly father. It's an intimate close, affectionate, loving relationship. But many people, when they come to pray, find it difficult to pray and call God Father because there are many unresolved things inside. And we have distorted concepts of what God is like. Jesus came to clear all that up and make it really known what God is like. Family and fatherhood originate in God. In Ephesians chapter 3, I think verse 15, it says, he said, we give glory to the, the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. So family comes from God. The whole idea of family, the, the whole concept of fatherhood comes from God. Now, of course, sin has come into the world and has destroyed uh, what God intended or marred or broken or damaged what God intended. But nevertheless, God's plan always, it began with his desire to have a family that would represent him. And he has still following the same plan. So God's plan is not an organization. It is a family of sons and daughters. A family just like Jesus Christ. A family who would act and behave and live out their lives uniquely in their own personality, but nevertheless revealing what God is like to the community. Most people think of the church in terms of a meeting, a place where you come, a place where people come and worship God, and there's that aspect of it. But actually, God's thinking about the church. It's a family. There's brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. It's family in its nature, and then it's to go out into the world and make an impact in the world advancing our father's business. Jesus, from a very young age, said, I must be about my father's business. 
He had a strong sense from very young that he was called by a father in heaven to advance a kingdom in the earth. So when you, if you want to see what God is like as a father, you need to look and study the life of Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to look at Jesus' life. Read through the book of, Acts, uh, book of uh, Gospels again. But as you look at it, I want you to, wherever you see the word Jesus, just think father. That's what a father looks like. That's what a father acts like. That's what a father behaves like. That's what fathers are like. That's what fathers do. That's what God is like. Most people have got their own concept of God that's been shaped uh, in some ways negatively by experiences they've had. But Jesus came to reveal what God is like. It says in Hebrews 1, in him is the fullness of what God is like. Now, I want to just draw out for you just some characteristics of that. And uh, in, the fo- in the movie Blood Diamond, I want to just touch on that first. And uh, I want to just draw your attention to some things in it and just explain the story a little. Then I want to show you just several aspects of Jesus' fatherhood. Although Jesus never had physical children, he nevertheless was a spiritual father. He raised up men and put identity and destiny and purpose in them and empowered them to become nation changers and history makers. That is fathering. And so uh, we'll, we'll touch those aspects just shortly. But in the story, uh, that video clip you saw, which took place in Sierra Leone in the 90s, uh, there was a huge conflict over diamonds. And in the story, there's a father called Solomon Vandy, and he has a daughter and a son. And uh, he has a dream for his son. So you have a father with a dream that his son would become a doctor. But something happened to the plan to damage the plan. Rebels came in. The rebels were after diamonds. Uh, they get the diamonds, then they go and kill the vill- They get the villagers. They break up the villagers and bring them into slavery. And uh, they would raise up and make child soldiers. So the, his plans, the father's plans were disrupted when the rebels came in, tore his family apart, took away his son to make him a child soldier, and then put the father into slavery, into getting these diamonds. And so the young son, under the influence of this rebel army, has his name changed. He becomes see me no more, meaning uh, if you see me, I've got a gun, I'll shoot you, then you'll see me no more. In other words, he changed him from being a young boy with a dream to be creative and a healer and a doctor. They changed him to become someone who killed people. Uh, Not only that, they drugged him, they filled him with alcohol, they filled him with drugs, and they literally change what this young boy was so he became confused as to who he truly was and so the story is about a father who had a dream for his son and the son was stolen away by rebels and lost his identity till he didn't even recognize his father and that's actually the story of mankind God created Adam and Eve created us for a destiny and a purpose he has a dream for each of us Bible says, I, have, I know the thoughts I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not evil, to give you a great future and a hope. But the Bible tells us the devil rebelled and sin. Sin came into the world and demonic powers have come in and people everywhere are captive to demonic spirits and the lies that they have. And when people are captive to that, they actually don't know who they are. They're confused. They don't realize they are an eternal spirit being made for relationship with God and now they need to be restored to their father. They don't realize they're in captivity. They don't realize they're in bondage. They think what they're doing is right when actually it's completely wrong. And they need someone to rescue them. That's what sin did. Sin came in and destroyed God's family. 
It changed what his family was like. It broke the heart of God to see sons and daughters, eternal spiritual beings, lost and, and brainwashed by the world and its values so they no longer recognize the truth, no longer recognize who God is, no longer recognize the unique destiny and calling. And so, just as in the story, the father went to find his son. He said, I must find my son. He went looking for his son. He had one thing in mind. He wasn't worried about reputation. He wasn't worried about the diamonds. He wasn't worried about the money. He was concerned about a son. I want my son back. He refused to give up until he had a son back. And that's just like the heart of God. God is determined that he will have his family restored to him. And so God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to represent him. Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Why? Because in me, the Father is reaching out to find the sons and daughters that are lost. He's reaching out to bring them back into relationship with him. And so in the movie you found there, right at the end of the story, the father finally encounters his son, and the son is confused and initially hostile to him. Many people are confused and are hostile to God. But the, son, the father begins to talk to him. You notice the kind of things he said. He says, you are Diavandi of the proud Mende tribe. He begins to remind him of who he is. People need to be reminded of who they are. You're an eternal spirit being made for relationship with God. You're part of a family that God wants to restore. And he said, I am your father and I love you. And that's what God, if God was able to just speak out physically, tangibly words, he would say, well, I'm your father and I love you. The father spoke the words, I want you to return with me and to be my son. You see, within that, just that few lines there, you see, actually, this is also the heart of God. So movie media has, has, has shown a scene out of a movie, but when you watch the scene, you feel touched inside because it resonates with eternal values, that there is a father in heaven and we're his children and we've gone astray and our father wants us to come back because he loves us. That's the story. And of course, the moment you see that put in any kind of form, your heart responds. And so that's what that story is about. Now, Jesus came to do that. Jesus is the one who was seeking to look after us. Jesus is the one. In Luke 19, 10, it says, Now the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. It's Jesus pursuing men to bring them back. He's still pursuing us. Can you remember when someone came to you and shared with you about Jesus? You were hostile. You didn't point a gun at them, but you probably spoke words that were a bit nasty. Words of death. You didn't appreciate someone telling you about God initially. Why? Because of confusion. But then eventually the love of God was what broke through into your life. Just in that movie scene, you could see the father's love. You could see the boy just begin to crack and begin the words of love touched his heart. And that's the gospel. The words of love from heaven through Jesus Christ touch our heart, remind us who we are, where we've lost and where we've gone to and call us to come back in relationship with God. So let's just move. I want to just show you a couple of other things now. I want to just talk then about Jesus showing or revealing what the Father is like. And I want to share with you just five simple aspects of Jesus' fathering ministry and what fathering involves. The first thing is that fathering is a very spiritual ministry. It is spiritual. Why do we say it's spiritual? Well, anyone physically can have a child. 
Here's the issue though. When a child is brought into the world, a child is not just a physical being, it's a spirit being living in a body. So that means that fathering essentially has got a spiritual dimension to it because the father is able to impart life that brings an eternal spirit being into existence. So the core of fathering is spiritual. So fathers must have a spiritual dimension to their life. If fathers do not begin to bring a spiritual dimension into their sons and their daughters and their families, there's something vitally missing in the core of the family. The spiritual role in the home should never just be left to his wife. A father must assume full responsibility for spiritual values and spiritual shaping and formation in the family. That's part of what it means to be a father. It is a spiritual ministry with practical applications. And when uh, people, when fathers do not embrace a spiritual life and spiritual values and impart them but leave it to their wife, the child quickly makes up his mind, very, very quickly, that, well, the father doesn't think that's a value. It can't be a value. But one day, that child will stand before an almighty God. So fathering is spiritual. It involves the spiritual life of God being imparted to our children. That's one aspect of it. And so Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit. You've got to learn how to bring God to your sons and daughters, how to build a devotional life, a family life, where this prayer and the things of God are highlighted and valued and lived out by the Father. Second aspect of Jesus' fathering ministry is the aspect of presence. In John 16 and verse 32, this is what he said. He said, my, he said, uh, he said, the hour is coming and is now come. You'll be scattered and each on his own, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Or in other words, you'll abandon me. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. So another vital aspect of fathering is personal presence. Now, over some years ago, uh, there's been such erosion of the role of fathers that many fathers don't understand actually your presence counts. When you think about God, right from the very beginning, his presence was found with Adam and Eve. Then he, he asked that they would build a house, Moses' tabernacle, for his presence to dwell. Uh, then Solomon's temple for his presence to dwell. And finally, the church is a place where the presence of God dwells. Why? Because God wants to be with us. Because why is that? Because he's a father, and a father must be with the children. His presence with the children even if there's not a lot said or done, his presence gives strength and stability in a family. How many mums know that? You know, wait till dad comes home. Stability will come. There's something about dad's presence that can carry weight, authority, stability, and have an influence in the home. and also brings tremendous comfort. Uh, there was a survey done among 3,000 women in America, and uh, they asked the woman... If you had to choose between financial security, your husband working long, working hard to provide a lot of finance so you're secure, or you had to choose between that or emotional connectedness, in other words, being connected in the heart emotionally and relationally, which would you place first? And about 85 to 90% of the woman placed emotional connectedness ahead of the money. Yet many men, their lives are driven by, I have to get this and this and this and this and this. And actually they don't realize that their emotional presence and availability to the family is one of the most powerful ways they can impart life and value to the children. 
So if a father is not spiritual or does not have a spiritual dimension in his fathering, the children become empty and have wrong values. If a father does not have emotional presence with his children, then what happens is they feel abandoned. And one of the experiences I've had over the years, both with natural father and spiritual fathers all the way, is tremendous struggle over the issue of being abandoned. And the pain and the loneliness it brings of having to go and do life alone instead of having someone there who's a hero and a champion and also inspires you, you can go further. Real challenge, but that's what dads do. Inspire us that we can go further. It's a, it's a huge challenge, these things. Here's the third thing, is identity. In Luke 3 and verse 22, uh, when Jesus got baptized, the heavens opened up and God the Father spoke and said, this is my son, I love my son, I'm pleased with my son. Huh? And he touched him. It's what's called the blessing. He gave blessing to him. But one of the things that a father does is have a huge role in identity. For, for example, uh, when you take on a family name, you take on your father's name. Your surname is your father's name. So we identify ourselves. Now, in our community, if we're not identified by relationship, then we become identified by what we possess and what we do. So if your identity is not found in relationship and who you're connected to, it will be found in things outside you. So you ask them, what are you, uh, who are you? They say, well, I'm a, I'm a carpenter, I'm a plumber, I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a this, I'm a that. You know, but those things are just employment. They are roles. They are not who you are. You are not your performance. You are a person, a child of God. If you have been born again, you're connected to God. Who are you? You're a child of God who happens to be doing this on God's behalf or you're doing this. But actually, I am a child of God. I am not my money. I am not what I do. I am because I'm connected to my father. This is who I am. Now you see, if you're not secure in who you are, then you'll try and find that security through relationships or, or money or possessions or position, any of those kind of things. That's what people are struggling to do. Well, what we need to do is know who we are so we can then live our life. Jesus came to impart into us a strong sense of identity. Notice what he said to Peter. Peter, you, he said, Simon, your name's Simon, the reed, one who's blown around, says, now rock, I'm calling you the rock, because I'm going to build on you, and make notice, he's giving them identity, see, you know, James and John, he said, I'm going to call you the sons of thunder, because you guys are going to cause tremendous upheaval in the community, you're going to bring the presence and power of God, and be evangelists that upheave, so he spoke words of identity into them. One of the roles of a father is to help their sons and daughters discover what their calling is and particularly who they are. Who are you? So who, well, I am who I'm connected to. So God wants us to be connected to him. Who am I? I'm a child of God. I'm a son of the living God. I'm an ambassador of heaven. What do you do? Well, it doesn't really matter so much because you know, today I'm doing this, tomorrow I'll do something else, do some other kind of thing. I am not what I do. I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. I will be who he says I can be. Child of the living God, ambassador of heaven, a representative of my heavenly father with a mission on the earth. That's who I am. I happen to be pastoring right now. If I wasn't pastoring, I still am the same person. See, now if, you don't, if you're not clear who you are, then your identity is tied up into what you do and then you become insecure if that's challenged in any way. See, so fathers produce strong sense of identity. Without that, people get into performance. Last two things is, uh, is the next one is guidance. Now, one of the roles of a father is guidance to help 
their sons and daughters discover direction in life. So notice in John chapter 17, Jesus uh, makes a couple of statements. Verse four, he said, I've glorified you on the earth. I finished the work you gave me to do. And in verse eight, I've given to them the words which you gave me and they received them. So guidance involves a couple of things, probably many things, but anyways, two things that Jesus did. One, he said, he got words from his dad. So how he lived his life out came by revelation from his father. So one of the things a dad does, a dad must speak words that actually help shape the values, attitudes, ideas that a son or daughter has. But if you draw back and just say, well, you know, they've got to choose for themselves, choose for yourselves, that's a lie from hell. They're not going to choose for themselves. They're going to choose what they said down in the school. They're going to choose what their mates saw. They're going to choose what they saw on the television or on Facebook or some kind of place. Fathers need to have words of values and direction and wisdom. So one of the things Jesus received, he got wisdom on how to do life from his father. Uh, Solomon said, I got wisdom from my dad. So dads provide wisdom for a younger generation on how to not goof up with so many mistakes, how to do life and end up really doing it well. It's one of the important roles of a dad. Not go out and try it for yourself. That was a philosophy of the 60s that we're reaping a legacy of now. Education system propagates such stuff. You need to realize that. So fathers need to assert again the role God gave them. God, God, fathers are to give words to their son or daughter that give wisdom and life and direction. You can't just hope they're going to catch it. They won't catch it. You've got to spend the time and do the words. You've <laughs> got to do the talking. Second thing he gave them was work. Fathers assigned work to their sons. He gave them jobs to do. Jesus said, I finished the work you gave me to do. That's what I've got a work to do. And work helps you form character. So one of the things fathers do is assign work to their sons and daughters in order to develop the character in them and shape and prepare them that they can be responsible and effective and successful in life. And if that, without guidance, young people become lost. And finally, the last one is mercy. In Luke 15 and verse 20, the prodigal son, when he came back to his father, it says his father was moved with compassion. And it says he ran and put his arms around him, hugged him and welcomed him back in and and he forgave him and he restored him. He wept over him. That's what the prodigal son's dad did. Jesus said, that's what God is like when we mess up. People have got this thing about God being judgmental. Oh, you've done that. Oh, there'll be judgment. Where did you get that idea from? That's not what Jesus did. Does God judge sin? Yes, he does. But mercy rejoices over judgment. Mercy is higher than judgment. And you can't build any healthy relationship if you live in fear of judgment. The thing that helps you build healthy relationships is we understand the heart of love and grace, and then you learn respect. See? And so Jesus demonstrated mercy. See? Mercy expresses love and acceptance and forgiveness and allows people to get back their life and to get back and get on track again. So Young people need that. They need love and mercy. You needed it, and so do I. Everyone needs it. See, without mercy, there's bitterness and judgment and estrangement. In other words, broken relationships. And so this is a role of a father is to provide mercy, not to be harsh and judging and yelling or angry, but to provide mercy, kindness, tenderness, gentleness, 
So both strong and giving guidance and upholding values and leading and setting direction, but on the other side, gentle and kind and loving and tender, tough and tender. And you'll see that in Jesus' life and ministry. He was tough at times and then very tender a lot of the time. So this is, this is what fathering is like. huh? This is what fathering is like. Now just, just finish with the words that came up in that story, that little video clip. I'm your father who loves you.